In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Many years ago, a friend of mine was a guest on a local radio program with very strange music playing in the background. The host asked my friend to name a good thing. There was a long pause, and then my friend said, a day off. There ensued another pause, and my friend said, two days off. That's a very good thing. I suspect a lot of people would agree. After all, people say, thank God it's Friday, because Friday is the prelude for many people to two days off. If we were to ask to name a good thing, we might give different answers, but I doubt that any of us would immediately think of today, the day that is called good, the Friday that is good. When we read the Passion narratives or hear them read or sung, we hardly think of the events it describes as good. It's very difficult not to fix our attention on those who surround our Lord. There are a lot of people who play a part in the Lord's passion and death, and with a couple of notable exceptions, they all behave badly. They betray the Lord, they deny him, they abandon him. And these are his friends. His enemies bear false witness against him, pervert his teaching, conspire to have him murdered under the cover of both Israelite and Roman law, torment and mock him, humiliate him, steal from him, use him, disown him, prefer a violent insurrectionist to him, torture him, and finally crucify him. None of which is good. Furthermore, if we become fixated on their behavior, we may begin to ask ourselves if we're like them. Lord, I might ask myself, have I betrayed you? Lord, have I abandoned you? Lord, have I rejected you? Have I, have I, have I? And therefore, if we're not careful, We'll be thinking of Peter and Pilate, Judas and Annas and Caiaphas and Nicodemus and the crowd that preferred Barabbas and saved him and demanded the death of Jesus. And we'll be thinking a lot about ourselves. In the process, we will have turned our Lord's passion and death into a sociological or a psychological or perhaps worst of all, a political event. That is, an event between Jesus and the people around him, even including ourselves. And if we do that, our Lord's passion does become disturbing, bewildering, and all those other bad things that inevitably come to mind. Why in God's name do we call this Good Friday? Why don't we call it Black Friday or Evil Friday? And the answer is this. The passion of our Lord is, first of all, a theological event. 
It is not a sociological or psychological or political or even spiritual event. It is a theological event, an event that takes place within God himself, within God the most holy and blessed trinity. It is an event that occurs above all between God the Father and God the Son in, with, and through God the Holy Spirit. It is an event that those who surrounded our Lord during his passion, both friend and foe, are only tangentially involved in and don't even begin to understand. When Jesus took up his cross, he was voluntarily drinking the cup his father had given him. As he so clearly and forcefully tells us in the Passion narrative. When Peter and the others try to prevent his arrest, he tells them, am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Put away your sword, for the Father has given me this cross to bear. It is not Pilate or the high priest or the crowd that gives the cross to our Lord, but God the Father. And our Lord's acceptance of the cross is not a sign of passivity or helplessness, as his disciples suppose, as well as his enemies, but the preeminent expression of his perfect love, that is, the love of God. The death of our Lord is the manifestation in time and space of the perfect and eternal love which flows between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the love that St. Paul's talking about in Corinthians when he says love never ends. He's certainly not talking about my love. And this is the love that St. John the Apostle and Evangelist writes of when he says that God is love. The cross is the summation and climax of all that our Lord came into this world to do. It is his sacrificial self-offering to the Father out of love for both the Father and for us. The Lord's crucifixion is his self-offering in love to the one who had sent him into the world to make that offering, promising that he would not abandon him to death, but raise him on the third day and give him victory over his enemies and ours. To love God means to be conformed to his will in all things great and small, conformed to his will in thought, word, and deed. In the words of Madeleine de Berrel, to love God means to be who God wants and to do what God wants. And this is how Jesus loves God, how the Son of God loves God the Father and the Spirit. The being and the invisible and internal love that flows between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit becomes visible in the passion and death of the Lord. And the cross is therefore the preeminent symbol of Christianity. St. John tells us that from the cross our Lord declared, it is finished. It's neither coincidental nor accidental 
that the first chapter of the book of Genesis ends with these words. And there was evening and there was morning, a sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works which he had done. On the Friday we call good, our Lord finished all his recreative work, offering the Father all that our first parents refused to offer him in the Garden of Eden. And then he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. Taken down from the cross at the end of the sixth day of the week, he entered the tomb to sleep the sleep of death and to observe the perfect Sabbath, thus fulfilling the law of Moses in order that he might become the firstborn of the new creation. To become the one who was raised on the eighth day, the first day of the new creation. This Friday is, has been, and always will be Good Friday. Amen.